0: This audio is of the August 18th, 1984 Could Have Been Champions episode on 3RRR. It was taped directly off the radio by Raymond Dobb and it was digitised by Rhett Bartlett. Any content on this programme is not endorsed by myself or Raymond.
1: Well, good morning, listeners, and welcome. It is the Could Have Been Champions here with you. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, Geoff. We're not going to talk about St Kilda at all this week. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Geoff. No
2: talk about St Kilda because
1: we're approaching the finals and naturally they dip out. And, look, just before we get into anything, I'd like to thank all the listeners who wrote in during the week with their orders for the Best of the Could Have Been Champions album. Thank you very much. Anyone else who's got the same idea, write in, because it means we can reserve you a copy and make sure you get one.
3: It was particularly appropriate, Jeff, starting off with The Good, Bad and the Ugly this morning, because, um, of course, listeners can't appreciate this, but Jeff has come in with this incredible monstrosity on his face, and uh, he looks as though he must have been nominated for the uh, uh, Eli Wallach lookalike competition. What's the explanation for that?
1: Well... I had this beard and I was going to shave it off, and I thought, well. Ran out of blades. I'd, I've never had a moustache before, and I thought, well, let's see what it looked like. And it's a good sight gag, but it's not really good radio. It's not so great radio, <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, well, we got some special guests this morning. We've got some special guests. Richard, would you like to introduce the boys?
2: Oh, uh, yes. On my left, we have uh, Dino Dippio Dominico, and on our right, as Jack Dio, so say, we've got Bertie Dippio Dialligo.
1: <laughs> good
4: morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good
1: morning. Um. Before we start interviewing the boys, we're going to also talk a bit about the Olympics, even though they're all over. We've got Dr Duke in especially this morning too. Morning, Doctor. Good
5: morning, Jeff. Would
2: you like me to talk about the Olympics now, would you? Please. Completely unprepared. Uh, just before you do him, just get up off your knees. I know Bertie Dippy and Minico standing next to you. Come on, get your hands to <laughs> yourself. I won't you. OK, I'll, I'll begin by the uh, the closing uh,
5: narration that Richard Basehart read um, as the Olympic flame was extinguished. I'll do this in my... Um, my James Mason voice as a feature. Would you like that? That'd be great. Okay. Creatures of a day, man is merely a shadow dream. But when God-given glory comes upon him in victory, a bright light shines upon us and our life is sweet. When the end comes, the loss of flame brings darkness, but his glory is bright forever. So bright, so brief, the games are over, now the memories begin." That was uh, Richard Basehart's closing narration there at the Olympic Games. Uh, as the Olympic flame was dist- uh, was distinguished, I was going to say extinguished. <laughs> uh, and uh, the uh, opening and closing ceremonies, which I'll talk about in a moment, were um, were real uh, examples of American good taste, I thought. Um, and the whole games were, I think, a learning experience for we over here in Australia. Um, I think that one of the Channel 10 commentators during the closing ceremony made a very wise comment which was in the form of a slip of the tongue when he said that the games had been a great success for the host company. Because in fact uh, one of the things we learnt most was uh, about advertising since we saw these advertisements uh, and they taught us a great deal especially since they reiterated their lesson uh, so many times. We, got, we became uh, intimate with Bob Ansett of course and his, his uh, smart casuals um, we learned about McDonald's and how McDonald's are a, a genuine natural part of Australia. How McDonald's hamburgers are a native Australian food, as natural as Ayers Rock. Um, and we uh, we learned about Lucasade. I thought that was a strange ad. the one about the must have seen it three or four thousand times. The little kid who's being sick and doesn't want to eat, and his mother gives him Lucasade, and then the motto comes up on the bottom of the screen: Lucasade aids recovery. looked a little young to have AIDS, but anyway, (laughs) uh, they say it's happening right down the social ladder here. And now uh, we also learned about a lot of new sports, new sports, all kinds of new sports. And I think that the Sayul Committee, considering the crowding of the schedule now, is going to have to think about combining certain events, really to cut back on the time. I think you want to have the shooters shooting at the divers, for example. You could have the archers shooting at the canoeists. Uh, And the hammer throwers, I'd save them for the synchronised swimmers i'd have the hammer throwers throwing their hammers at the synchronized swimmers cut down on the crowding we also learned of course lessons in sportsmanship i should say sportspersonship because of course i'm thinking of mary decker and the way that uh, after costing zola budd a probable medal she then got her disqualified by uh, an american jury and of course then spat her dummy on the side of the track there and really performed a scene that could have been straight out of robert alton's nashville i thought La- second last we learned a good deal about correct english from raylene boyle with her talk of the boxed in situation of one runner the crisis situation of another and i thought in that closing ceremony raylene uh, she was very wise when she said that the games were an ongoing example of elitism that's a surprising piece of insight for raylene boyle
1: but that's what she said well i don't think it was all that surprising raylene's uh, yeah, quite I clever she and I, th- though, no, I think she meant elitism and i thought it was a very good observation so mm. stick it
5: but anyway, here we had the final, the closing ceremony, uh, again a great example of good American taste like the opening. I thought, by the way, that it was a good thing of Juan Samarán, the president of the IOC, to refer specifically to the Australian team in his closing speech, when he said that uh, we have celebrated two weeks of sports, friendship and peace. <laughs> nice of him to mention the Aussies like that. <laughs> um, as I say, lots of good taste in the ceremonies. The opening ceremony had the, um, the Dance of a Thousand Joggers, I thought that was fantastic and Rhapsody in Blue performed on 85 grand pianos did you notice the way the pianists wore blue tuxedos too no a little touch there that. <laughs> uh, that's those little things that make, make up uh, the Olympics I'll just close well, you, the uh, secretaries down at could have been's house in Jollymont took transcripts for us of all the Olympic uh, things and I'll just close with E.T.'s final words the man who descended from the spaceship um, and addressed the, uh, the Coliseum and this is what he said I have come a long way because I like what I've seen. A family of man united by a belief in the limitless possibilities of human achievement. For almost 100 years you have celebrated the best that humanity has to offer. You call it the Olympic Games. And for that, and for the cities which have kept the Olympic ideal alive, I salute you.
1: Well, thanks, Dr. Duke. That was a really thorough little roundup. One thing I'd like to just just mention here is how TV the Olympics was, and this is where we've really mucked up, because there was a great TV opportunity going begging for Sunday on the telly, wasn't there, Richard? And somehow the VFA have mucked it up.
2: Yeah, look, we've got this this unique double on Sunday that could have been, on this could have been show, when the Dippy Domenico brothers, one was going to be televised live in Sydney playing for Hawthorne, and the other was going to be televised live live from uh, Sandringham Football Ground, the... Uh, the Sandringham versus uh, Preston game but unfortunately one of them young Dino got a little bit uh, aggressive two weeks ago and is going to miss the game
6: Sniper don't call me Sniper I'm no Sniper
2: you're to <laughs> <laughs> no I didn't say that then now Bertie I didn't say that to him at all
4: now get down Bertie you are right. <laughs> tell me
2: Bertie uh, did you follow the Olympics yourself very much
6: yes
4: I did Richard I really enjoy uh, watching uh, sportsmen at their sports but uh, unfortunately those commercials <laughs> kept coming at the wrong time but uh, yeah I really did Enjoy the Olympics over, over the past two weeks. How how would you compare yourself as an athlete
2: to the athletes that compete in the Olympics? As because obviously you're a you're a full-time sportsman yourself.
4: Well, um, we uh, uh, we train five days a week. We play on the Saturday, and we train Sunday morning. But these people, they uh, they train three or four hours a day. And well, I only train about an hour, an hour and a half. And to see these, um, you know, the swimmers at their at their sport and the hammer throwers at their sport, I mean. Can you imagine, for four years, every night throwing a hammer around? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they should have a bit of variation. We can jump up and down and kick a footy around it. But, uh, yeah, they <coughs>
2: And there are fringe benefits that come along in your side of the game. Well, the
4: Olympics. yes, you do get a free tram ticket now and then. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the Olympics, well, these days, the amateurs seem to be um, earning more than the professionals on the off side of things. You take yeah. Carl Lewis. I mean, he's worth $100 million now. So I wish I was worth that much. <laughs> and uh with it with it
2: being a tv olympics what do you think about football becoming a tv game which you know obviously the the pointing to the national league stuff and for example how do you find yourself in in night football and, and on live coverage games
4: oh well it really doesn't worry us about uh you know, knowing that there's a uh, people watching well, tomorrow we go up to sydney and um that, you know that a few people will be watching down melbourne but especially other clubs and that's where really, uh, you want to play well and make sure you do the right thing because mm. other clubs try and pick up little uh, bits and pieces but uh, I think is going to help the game and especially to help the Swans up there because I think that uh, unfortunately the 12 clubs here in Melbourne can't survive and over the next maybe 3, 4 5 years they must go sort of interstate mm. and to have this live coverage yeah, it's good but unfortunately the supporters can't support their club like the uh, poor South Melbourne supporters have been left behind but they still enjoy watching their team play on a Sunday.
2: Right, yeah, well aside from the fact that of course most of the people will be watching Sandringham tomorrow, of course. Um, <laughs> to find out what the real game is about, um, what, what do you think yourself about night football, football? because you know, people that I know who watch the game think that really it's not the same game and it doesn't have the skill and that football is a, really a dry yeah. weather game.
4: Yeah well, um, don't forget that you play on a Saturday and normally you, uh, you would sort of have a bit of a run on a Sunday. Um, you don't train on Monday and you work during the day and you go and play you know, a game of football about half past eight at night when the dew's down and really you know, sometimes the lights affect your eyes and and the sort of feeling's not there. <clears throat> uh, most of the clubs you try are younger players there because they have the opportunity of resting some players. Because by the time I remember when we played, uh, oh, we played um, at Collingwood and, on a Monday, and then we had Essendon on the Saturday. Then we had Footscray on a Tuesday. Then we played Melbourne on the Saturday. But that's four games within, you know, nine or, or ten days, and that's a lot of games.
2: Yeah, but if it goes national and we follow the the example of the American gridiron or the English soccer, that's the sort of standards they set, isn't it? They, yes. they have such a heavy
4: schedule. Yes, yes. It's, you know, um, and I talked to some South Melbourne players. I mean, they, you know, have got to you know, fly down on a Saturday. I mean. Okay, sounds, bit, sounds good to fly down the plane. When you do it you know, every second week, it, it gets to you after mm-hmm. a while.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, that aside, I know that the thing that Jeff's dying to ask is it true that Alan Jeans is gay?
7: <laughs> Alan
4: Jeans, I can tell you now, is not gay. <laughs> <laughs> He's not gay.
1: Bertie, Bertie oh. just one, one more question. You, you, you're saying how much TV is important. Um, and footy unlike athletics is very much an entertainment the Olympics were entertaining but there's um, there's no entertainment involved with four years of training for the hammer throwing and as well, as well as being a sport you're putting on a public entertainment do you feel any sort of obligation to be entertaining while you're playing to put on a good show apart from from well, playing well
4: well as far, as far as the Hawthorne Football Club is concerned we have supporters who support us and they support the club and um, yeah, for Every time a Hawthorne player goes on the ground, he is expected to do well. And um, and hopefully by doing well, he entertains
1: people. Does that answer your question? Right. So, um, there's no well,
4: tap dancing, things like that. Yeah.
1: But you still reckon there's a, there's a place for, for Jacko?
4: Well, Jacko, well, he's his own character. I mean, he uh, you know, he's a very good player. Uh, people don't realise he you know, kicks a lot of goals. Um, and you notice every time he does one of his antics, you know, the ball's always away from him. Uh, yeah, it brings in the crowd, and the crowd love to see him. Um, it inspires him; it does inspire him, and it inspires his teammates. But, uh, yeah, only certain people can do that.
2: As Birdie. much as uh, you're inspiring, Dr. Duke, right at this very moment yeah. too, Bertie. Look, can I just ask Dino one question, Jeff. Uh, Dino, I just want to know how you feel living, in you know, is, it, is life living in the shadow of your brother a bit heavy at times? And well, well, you well, you'd know, Richard.
6: <laughs> <You're> Simon, <laughs> what a good double!
2: <laughs> yeah, well, this is, you know, I, <laughs> thanks, Simon. But, job. but living, you know, seriously, between you, you and your brother, what, what's it like, and and how aspiring are you towards going to go oh, to Hawthorn? And
6: with my brother and myself, uh, we're a very close family, so uh, we've always tended to do things together. Um, a lot of people say that I do. You know, I try to live in a in a in a shadow. I'm in a shadow. I'm but I tend to forget that I mean you get that on the field like you know you're only playing here because your brother's there and, and a sniper, no, <laughs> and that sort of thing but um, uh, you, you've got to forget that sort of thing and get on with the game and what you're yeah. doing
2: well, well you, you look pretty much alike and you play very similarly do you think? <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> I don't know who to say sorry to Bertie's bigger sorry Bertie. <laughs> but uh, you do play alike and uh, it's inevitable that people will compare you all the time but obviously the fight is for you to, to develop as your own player
6: Oh yeah, um, I've always said, and my brother will go along with me, that uh, I've been a different sort of player to uh, to what Robert is. But um, I always, I always learn as I, you know, as I go along. I enjoy it.
2: Right, and no more, no more sniping.
6: Uh, I, 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 don't, I do not. You snipe. Telling, can you it. just
2: tell Bob, okay, over the air, we're getting this recorded.
6: Excuse me, Bob, <laughs> I do not snipe. I am a disciplined player.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Dino and Bertie. We'll have you back later in the show. We'll get your tips, okay? Champs coming up right away.
7: Now it's time for the Coulda Beans Pithy Amprose Poet Laureate. That five star rhyme star at bucolic Bar, taking things from meter to verse, offering felicitations and recitation. Come on, champs. Dingle your jingle. <laughs>
1: I, Greg, I said come in sharp and sweet and let, let's let's really please those Fitzroy supporters. Let's show what a sharp professional outfit we uh, are here.
8: In other words, go straight into the poem and no chit-chat. Oh, no, a bit of chit-chat, but... Um, yes, yeah, no. oh, look, I was slack. I, I didn't pre- uh, pull the poem out of the file before I came into uh-huh. the room. I do apologise to you.
1: viewers. I did make a special request through the week after Fitzroy's great performance
8: last Saturday. Yes, yeah, so you notice the scribes have gone for them in mass, to en masse, as they say in the froggy, to win again, again... I didn't know those scribes were Catholics. No, they're not. They're all Fr- French, Catholic, Catholic, French, and they've gone for Fitzroy to beat Geelong today, Simon. And I think they're going to do too, Greg. But uh, Geelong are in the fire, Fitzroy aren't. I can't see why they'd all be so confident about it.
3: That's true, that's true. But, you know, they, they, they go with the way the wind's blowing.
8: Talking about uh, wind blowing... What is that thing on your face? <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> incredible, isn't it? I can't, this is a footy show, not a moustache show. We're <laughs> going for that Ian Chappell, Dennis Lily image. Yeah. I think it's a bit 70s. Go right back to the 70s. Look, there. I think this gag's run its race. Okay. Well, I'm shocked, frankly. Like, let's get authentic movie, here. All right. Let's start with uh, the new work for the week. The Freckle faced grouper from Fritzke. It's a bit hard to say. I'm a Freckle faced me- No. <laughs> from the top that's not what it says at all (laughs) I just thought that sounded good and I'd rule that off no it goes well I'm all freckle faced and measly and my name is Simon Beasley and there's never been a player whose career fluctuates so easily it actually says fluctuates but fluctuates sounds good because it reminds me of fructose that stuff they put in anyway that's just one verse imagine how long the other verse they're going to take at this rate they laugh at me funny white hairdo they accuse me of being albino Mickey Mouldhouse controls me fleet and mop with flipping One week in the limelight, flying over at the top. Next week if it's muddy, you can bet your life I'll be dropped. Every Saturday morning I'll look out the window. If it's overcast and raining, I don't even bother to go. I tell you it's hard to be cheerful. Keep your act together. You know when you only make the eighteen depending on the weather. Imagine my dilemma. Now feel with me my shame. Well, it's got to be sunny on Saturday for old Simon to get a game. If it poured on Friday night, I used to shed a tear. Now I'd take it on the chin and pack me fishing gear. At first, me feelings were hurt, but now I'm slowly hardening. In fact, I hope it rains this Saturday and catch up on a bit of gardening. I'm a sad and freckle-faced groper from all the Footscray way, and I hope like heck the sun is shining when I wake up on Saturday today Simon I think you'd be struggling mate maybe uh, you could take one of those VFL uh, no sorry Vic Rail country tours with your family I think do something get right away from the city and have a good time while the dogs tackle who are they tackling again one of those other Sandry Sandringham or they're, somebody
1: they're playing Richmond today Green tackling Richmond.
8: Richmond yes and one of the one of the guys in the age went for Richmond too now there's a brave fellow go for the Tigers hey I talked to a friend who met Jimmy Jess personally at lunch <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just wonder if Jim knows about the poems. One day I'd like to meet him. He's my idol. Maybe even listen to the show. Give us a ring, Jess. I mean, Jeff. I mean, Jimmy. Uh, anyway, we had lunch with him, and he says, Jimmy, uh, very, very quiet person. Uh, almost introverted, he described him as. Uh, they were at a sort of a sportsman's business lunch, you know. And, and he said, he didn't say much, Jimmy. He was quite a spoken type. Now, those country fellows are often like that. Uh, that's a. Uh, I admire those type of people, don't you? Better than, uh, you know, better than people like us. Greg. Better than, <laughs> yeah, Simon. You know, comes in. Hey, I'm Simon. Uh, uh, imagine having lunch with him. Do you want to go to the other poem? <laughs> yeah, right. that'd be great. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, let's do it then. Any minute now. Starting soon. Let me just warm up a bit. <clears throat> I dreamt. Oh, there's that sound again, Jeff. The creature from the black dungeon. I dreamt that Fitzroy won the big one. Woof. I dreamt that Fitzroy won the big one, as clear as clear can be. Some rover kicked a winning goal, and I was there to see. At first the game was close, but the Lions had drawn away, and the very fact they won it was a big surprise, I must say. In my dream, Conlon was captain, Quinlan was loose in defence, Lee Monane was the central ump, Serafini was somewhere on the bench. The ball was in the Fitzroy back line, the Lions were deep in attack, Robbie Walls went on the ground and got a free for in the back. I dreamt that Fitzroy won the big one, and I was there to watch. The rucks were Jones and Smith and Bloggs and little Bradley Gotch. The ground was bathed in lion colours, red and gold and blue. And to this day I'll testify that what I dreamt was true.
7: What does footy mean to you? Drinking beer and eating pies? For Gary Wickham and Bobby Stewart, it's a game to theorize, dichotomize, and intellectualize. Those prattling profs, what funny guys. Hit the post-structuralist Karl Marx of the day, 4 and 20 pi r squared. These are buzzwords and jazz words and jargon you'll hear in Academic Think Tank. Sir Gary, Robert, start thinking chaps, and don ye now your thinking
1: caps. Well, we're all without Bobby this morning. I don't know where he is. He's up the snow, Jeff. Simon. Oh, would, wouldn't you know it? Drinking glue wine and everything. How are you, Gary? I'm very well. I hear you. Um, you you clashed heavily with Spivak this yeah, week.
0: Yes, so I did. The cowboy Marxist
1: <laughs> from
0: Texas. He's a cowboy Marxist from Texas. Who, who's an Indian who happens to be a woman.
1: Yeah, Gayatri Spivak plays uh, centre half forward for uh, the deconstructors in the world of world criticism. I caught her holding <laughs> the ball. I thought. <laughs> anyway, good morning, Gary. Good morning, Chris. Hi, Jeff. And uh, our erstwhile fortnightly guest, Hucho, good morning.
9: Good evening.
0: I've got to start with a bit of a story, Jeff. I'd, I'd tried to line up an interview this week with uh, with uh, Sid Sharon of the Sharon football fame. He's a fourth generation Sharon. When I finally got onto him, they'd shifted, sadly, from their factory in Collingwood, which was just a fantastic place, uh, uh, with, uh, sort of a museum of Collingwood. They'd shifted out to Sunshine. Finally got onto him, he said, yes, he was quite keen to do it, but they have been taken over by Spalding in the last couple of years, and he put me onto a Spalding executive. A guy called Peter Sweeney Well sadly Peter was incredibly defensive I don't know what he thought our show was about But he asked me so many questions And it, it was clear that uh, he had to give his permission Before Sid could come on Well I left them the number And they said they'd phone me back They didn't Now if you're listening Sid We're still keen to have you on And if you're listening Peter We're not all that bad Just <laughs> have a bit of a listen
10: Yeah I mean we're really objective about footballing <laughs> here So I don't want to do any damage objective. to a multinational
9: company We're especially objective about footballs Aren't we You know if you Yes, we are.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, weathers, yeah. I, I know that, that Gary personally owns a Sharon yeah. and a Ross Fork. Sid,
0: Sid, Sid Gavin to me, no. I, I'd love consensus. That to
1: have a to him. Well, what, what are we going to deconstruct going to today? today
0: where, uh, when we did our review of Hutch's book a couple of months back, we did talk about kicking and the changes of kicking techniques. Well, what we want to do is look not just at kicking, but at handball, the way the, ga- the, the, way the players run, uh, rucking techniques, anything that's basically changed over the years and just examine why it's changed and ask ourselves, is the explanation that you get from people like Ron Barassi that this makes the game simpler, makes it easier to play, is that a correct explanation or are there other explanations? Well, well, what's the answer? (laughs) I I think we should (laughs) start start one (laughs) at a time. I I guess I start from the premise that a side who could be trained to drop kick and all the players could drop kick well, would be decided couldn't drop That's kick. a
10: strange admission from a Hawthorne supporter. I mean, it's oh, Hawthorne who's geez. taken all those things out of the game. I bet he could probably drop kick. We should get him in here now. Now, your
1: you're a great attacker of the drop kick, aren't you?
9: Attacker of
1: it? Yeah, you reckon they should get rid of it and the drop punt's a better kick?
9: No, no. Well, I think all I've said is that they have got rid of it. Ah, so you're, you're really the observer. I am the observer of this one, yes. <laughs> I mean, I want, what I want to bring back is the place kick. That's...
1: That's the one I think. Why do you want pick. to bring that back?
9: <coughs> well, I can imagine one day, probably this year, when it's the sirens gone and Mark Buckley or someone like that's got the ball <laughs> got the ball behind centre half forward. And you'll look around, this is rather like Malcolm Blight all those years ago. He's 80 yards out and he's got one kick to win the grand final. Now, what sort of a kick is he going to do? Can he get a wet ball, you know, with a drop punter or torp, you know, that far on the MCG? I think that the place kick is the one for him to go for. The players now can probably uh,
1: kick torpedoes just as far as people used to kick place kicks well you can kick a place kick 100 yards the record is yeah. held with, with, with a place mm-hmm. kick and the longest drop kick it was 96 yards I remember this would be all 12 years ago now out at Waverley this, similar, similar sort of situation mm. the siren went and Jesalenko had a free out on the half forward flank and he went back and did a drop kick yeah. didn't make the distance yeah. but he,
9: he made that choice that you that's were talking right. about yeah. much, huh? no, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to Sid Sharon about I mean, the changes in the, in the actual footy I mean, whether, whether it's possible to do place kicks with this and what he's done, what his, his firm has done to footies over the years.
10: Well, football's got a flat end and when rugby players do a place kick, they're kicking a ball with a pointed
9: end. Oh, it's oh, it's much, much lighter as
0: well. Yeah, really. yeah but is, is that another reason, I mean, apart from Barassi's explanation that it makes the game easier and he says, well, we've then gone and changed the boots, etc. to, to uh, suit this new style. Is it rather that a lot of the technology like the ball and the boots have changed? Which cut out a lot
9: of these other things.
10: Yeah, I don't believe in technological interpretations of historical change, Gary. I think uh, well. You might have a look
9: at time. what Adidas did to the footy, but I mean, I think that's that uh, whichever the, of the brothers it is, Addy or Das, um, that changed the boot and to put the soft top on put it. Put the I mean, three
10: stripes on the side. Is that what certainly, certainly, uh, place
9: kick? Is uh, it? C- certainly, the the boot changed not as a result of any demand from the players. I don't think, but as a result of uh, uh, predetermined. Uh, attitudes by football boot manufacturers. Yeah, but but the I drop kick died was dying, and place kick died out long
10: before people were added at. So, I mean, the, those things come in after the games change because it suits the style. It's not the mm. other way around. I don't know about that. I mean, have, Jack, you never saw Jack Dyer running around with three stripes on the side of his feet, and he never kicked a place kick? Well, I never saw him drop kick either, if it came to
0: that. He did, did say on that, that anniversary show of World of Sport that he was very, very sorry that he invented the drop punt because it had made <laughs> all styles of kicking virtually disappear
1: apart from the drop. Huh? Uh, last week I saw a Melbourne player do a torpedo which I thought was remarkable because I thought they would have been banned at Melbourne but uh, obviously they're not because this player did one and he wasn't uh, dragged off the ground straight away. Did he kick
0: away. it or handball it?
1: It was a torpedo. It oh, was
0: so a, a... a torpedo hand pass.
1: Don't
10: yeah. <laughs> well I think what they should bring back is a flick pass. I mean the only time players get a flick pass now is on Thursday night. And oh, I well think that explain they that one to me. Why has the, <laughs> why,
0: why is, why is the handball techniques come to be the way they have in this sort of very short, sharp thing which often goes backwards or sideways. What
10: happened to it? Wasn't it the idea that you could handball it out in front of a player and it had a backspin on it, it would bounce up and he could run through and pick it up without it bouncing away from him?
9: I mean the flick pass was legal for at least two periods in um, VFL history, in the 20s. Um, The flick pass was legal with the South Melbourne teams of that era and also in the 50s it was legal Um, and the rule wasn't changed until you know, the dominance of Footscray in the middle 50s was. Uh, <laughs> was they
1: had, they was had, had really to stop yeah.
9: Footscray somehow right? yes, yes.
0: Well, is that. I mean, is that. Uh, I've heard tell, this was mm. just a bit before my time, that they also changed the rucking rules because of a certain players who were dominating. Is
1: that right? Uh, that, that this, this shows just how short sighted and pathetic in their planning uh, the VFL are. It, it's management by crisis. It wasn't certain players. The rucking rules were changed because of one game and one game only. That was uh, when. Gary Dempsey played against Peter Moore for Collingwood and North Melbourne, respectively, in the preliminary final of what year was that, Hacho? 80? 79? 79. 79, 79. Yeah. And it was just one game. It was very fairly ugly to watch, and it was Moore's tactics to beat Dempsey, which you could say won the game. Because of this one dopey incident, they uh, changed the rules and, to my mind, ruined rug play.
9: Yeah, well, I mean, Nichols and, and uh, Don Scott and players like that would find it hard to get a game. <coughs> these days with the rules as they are. Great players though they were, but short.
1: Yeah, uh, the whole science of, of ruck work has, has disappeared. So in so in that case we can say that a change in play was actually facilitated by the VFL? Well it wasn't facilitated, they just did it uh, for fairly short-sighted reasons, which tends to be the way they, they do a lot of things.
0: Well they haven't yet introduced a rule that will stop you doing a drop kick, presumably Perhaps that would they like to say? Well, break-up? I'd like them
1: to just, in, in an equally cavalier way, introduce a rule that would make you do a drop kick. I reckon the full back kicking in should have to do a drop <coughs> kick every time, unless the weather conditions that you know you've got wet track declared or something like that, then you don't have to do one. Yeah, and you'd have your good drop a kicker in account. every side, and he could put the ball in that centre circle if he was good enough. So every time you yeah, had a point scored against you, if your kicker was good enough, it'd, it'd be as good as having the ball bounced in the middle if if the kicker could do it properly. But they can get the ball up to the middle anyway, just by a, a hand pass and a short kick from the back line. Yes, yeah, so it's more certain well, than, than trying to kick a drop kick. And here they're trying to play basketball rules. Perhaps they don't want the ball back in the middle. They'd rather have possession in the back pocket than a loose ball in the centre. I yeah. The game can be played by possession. I mean, I think sometimes people exaggerate the change in the game. If you look at
10: the statistics, there are still a lot more kicks than handballs, and it's not entirely a possession game, even though it has changed.
0: Oh, but there are a lot more
10: handballs than there used to be. Yeah, sure, sure, but it's still a kicking game, and I think there's maybe a bit of an overreaction to the wh- fact wh- that there's why, more Why ball. is there more handball Now, because it's it's a more certain way to keep control of the ball, so the emphasis is on possession rather Jeez, than... i
0: not convinced of field. that. Oh, when you see, especially on a slight, slightly slippery day, the players who are just programmed to handball
10: and then handball and the two hand passes and it goes to ground. Yeah, well, that's maybe because they're idiot players. I mean, it's not that the theory's wrong, it's just that they're not able to
0: carry <laughs> and it practices,
9: out. And practices are in
10: practice, No, I'm not
0: convinced that the theory's not wrong either. I think there's a much more to all those changes in the game than simply so making the game easier to sinister,
10: play. it's not sinister? Oh, no, not
0: sinister at all, but I think it reflects a, a, a very sort of simplistic attitude that, that when styles of play change, that all the players suddenly go along with it. I'd, I'd like to see a few maverick players now perhaps respected players like Bernie Quinlan who
10: could pull it off just go out and do drop kicks for the entire day well b- Brian Taylor might start doing it if you have a word
8: to he a play ball then,
9: Oh, he'll be alright he'll be down centre half forward at Geelong with Jacko yeah. <laughs> what you need is a player like Jim Buckley who never handballs. never last week he never hand in the wet and slippery what goes. do you reckon what do you reckon balls. that is well because he, he can actually drop punt the ball yeah. 55 or 60 yeah, someone like in the Browning in uh, and Browning always too yeah, yeah no that's, that's true about Jimmy
0: Buckley he could pick a bloke out 10 yards away and just hit him on the chest with a foot pass and it's I, reckon sure it, I reckon it might be
1: that just the ball hurts his hand and he doesn't like to do hand we passes I can't say anything about that <laughs> ok well thanks a lot boys that was very erudite and I think yeah, you've, you've been mellowed a bit by your experience with Gayatri Spivak during the week, oh, Gary. Oh, I was very, I was very polite at that. She you've was the one who went for me. <laughs> eh? <laughs> Gary, I stood there and eyeballed her.
10: You're not going to <laughs> get a clearance to the Sorbonne or anything, are you? You're going to stay with us.
1: Uh, I'm staying here. OK, yeah. still flows the era time. We'll see you boys for your tips at the end of the show.
3: teammates of our dear departed friend, former hyena Alex Marshall who has been torn from our following division by the almighty umpire whose decisions cannot be queried by we mortal fringe players we can only thank the almighty that Alex's great friend Jimmy Buckley who was driving the car was not injured. We all have a position to play here on God's home ground. And just why he hasn't introduced the interchange rule yet is not for the likes of us to know or to question. But we all knew Alex, a good, determined ruck rover, even if a little weak on the left foot. And we can all feel confident that God will award him A heavenly Brownlow medal. Let the passing of Alex be a football lesson to us. And as well as his excellent passing, the fact that he died can be a lesson to us too. Remember, all great careers, even Bartlett's, come to an end. Even he got older every year. I want I want each and every last one of you, Coach Barnacle, Captain Fitzmichael, the Jacuzzi's Clancy, to go away today and to use Alex's departure as an opportunity to stand back yourselves, to look at your lives, to ask yourselves whether ye have been worthy men and, moreover, versatile ball handlers. In the name of the Almighty Club President, Chairman and Director, Amen. Amen.
1: Later that afternoon, it's a solemn gathering of hyena stalwarts at Alex Marshall's wake.
7: <laughs>
1: G'day, Fitzy, Bergs, good
5: to see you. Barnacle. It's good to see you. So very good to see you. Oh, I see the Dippy Domenico brothers are here. I didn't know they were friends of Alex's. G'day, Dino.
6: G'day, Barnacle.
4: G'day, Bertie. G'day, Barnacle. Nice little footage here you got here. Pity if anything should happen to it.
8: <laughs> Hi, guys. You know, uh, I see this morning trip that you're doing here as a mode of psychic reintegration. Uh, you know, a low blue, if you can follow my meaning. You know, you with me. Poor old
5: Alex. It only seems like yesterday I was making him run laps. Yeah, I kind of lost touch with Alex. Whatever happened to him over the years? Ah, oh, you know, usual thing for ex-players. Failed sports goods store. Around the grounds commentator of 3AW. Flogging mail order body jewellery. Part ownership of a pub. Sportsman's nights.
9: Gee, it sure puts a new perspective on things, but makes you stand back and think about your life. Like the Sky Pilot said this morning...
11: Ah, I was such a dill, Barnacle, to be fooled into thinking that you and Helen were. were.
8: I still can't say it, Barnacle. Oh, don't you worry about that, Fitzy, sweetie pie. It's just the usual repression complex. We can work that out. Just be in touch with your own, you know, psyche. You see, Barnacle, I've just turned 30. I'm past my best form
5: now. What have I got left to offer Helen and little Liam? Oh, come on now, Fitzy. You're an educated man with a great career before you as a spaghetti eater, TV panellist and hopefully turbine axle at the new Portland smelter.
0: Uh, uh, thanks, but no, I don't agree at all. Uh, Barnacle,
5: I, I know when I'm being kidded. There's just no demand these days for the mellow thinking man's football
0: commentator. G'day, Jim Jacuzzi. I'm Phil, coach. And I'm Jimmy. At least I think so. Are you sure you're Phil? I'm not really sure. Lately, I've been wondering about who I really am. Black sporting hero or Uncle Tom's dropkick. Strange, me too. Lately, my girlfriend Jeanette has been calling me Jimmy in her sleep. I wonder what that could mean. It could mean that you are Jimmy, aren't you? I don't know.
8: I don't know anymore. I just saw it right there a second, you Jimmy, you jacuzzi fellow, Jimmy, wherever you are. You have to struggle to bear with me here, but the source of the cycle scramble lies in your remaining permanently trapped in what Jack's Lacan, or Lacan, or Lacan, as they say. How do you say that again, uh, Coach? Lacan. Lacan. Yeah, trapped in what Jack's Lacan calls the mirror phase or phrase. As twins, you have never had to face the crucial separation from the other one in the handshake. Yeah. And what's yeah. more,
5: five years ago, the Jacuzzis never would have said that. <sighs> That's right, Barnacle. Time's catching up with all of us. You're not kidding, Fitzy. Time's catching up with all of us. And I know what they've been saying about me. That I'm over the top, that I'm too old. Nonsense, coach. You've just coached us to the five and to Aussie Gold in LA. Yes, but don't you see? That's just it. It's all downhill from now on. So what if we make the finals? Next year it's the same old rat-eat-rat-dog race. And the next, and the next, and the one after that, and the one after that, oh, yeah, and right.
8: the- Hold it right there, Barricle, baby. Your brain's on lock, your, your head's in and your nose is nowhere on your face. Your lobe is flying a permanent holding pattern there. Pull yourself together.
5: And
0: Barticle you never would have said that five years ago. But
5: you didn't know me five years ago, Potato Head. Bergs, Fitzy, Jacuzzi's, I've got something to tell you. I'm going back to Garoke. Garoke? What's that, coach? Ah, it's a little town. Just a quiet little town, way out in the Wimmera. The beautiful, golden Wimmera. I think I'll go back there and settle down, like most men my age. Find a nice girl, 16 or so, flaxen haired, set up shop. You know, my first coaching job was with the Garoke Warriors. <laughs> Ah, that was the life. Only six teams, no pressure to make the five. A good old do with both teams after the game. All the blokes bringing their missus, missus along. A fundraiser each year for all the little deformed kitties. Funny, you know, most of the kitties in Garak seem to be
7: deformed.
8: Oh, right on, Punicle Baby. And that's because of the sisters making out with the brothers, and the uncles making out with the little nieces, uh, and the little parrots making out with the little pet doggies, and the doggies making out back with the same parrots, and vice versa, etc., etc., etc. Do you read me, Barnacle? It's over with garrokk. Drop Goroke. Goroke has croaked, baby. Now you're on a dangerous low trip here, Barnacle. You're regressing faster than Matty can drink Manhattan. Baby. Turn off that dumb music. Now, all you fellows, listen to me. As your motivator, I'm Judy bound to warn you that using the death of Alex Marshall to release the mind bind, uh, or the old fashioned, uh, to old-fashioned... Where was I? To release the mind bind, or to use that old-fashioned term, anxiety, you feel about the upcoming Super Bowl, I mean finals, get your lobes out of the mourning mode. And, fellow, and fellows, it's going to be your funeral, not Alex's. You know, you're with me, Qantas flight 304 to Beirut control tower. Do I have permission to land?
5: Beirut, that's it. Thanks, Bergs. That's where that toad ailet wants to send us. That's what I'd forgotten. We're standing around whinging about the past, with the finals a fortnight away. Would Alex have wanted us to eat that shithouse lebo grub? No. Ah, oh. Then let's do something that'll really honour Alex's memory. Let's... Go go out
1: Well, that was a close one. Can the hyenas shake themselves free of excessive mourning? And see in the new morning of finals football? Will Dr Hamburger's therapy be successful? And just what is a turbine, axle? Find out next week in episode 22 of Still Flows the Yarra, Rabbited.
6: We love the rain, outside, all is always dark Only day below with and the from a rain of fire Be sure you'll find the rules of life Smart men brave and brave men fools Refrain from action
3: if you doubt Cause if you're fool to step on
1: um his
11: arm He was a winner and
7: no winner He pushed women in the back with his charm He was never off the side though he was always pretty off when he spoke and I Well good morning uh, VFA listeners this is George Stone stepping in for the uh, Tony Leonard and Ron Mayne who are on the Gold Coast and uh, with me this morning from the Sandringham Sherry Belt we have uh Richard Keddy and from the homebrew territory in Coburg we have Phil Cleary morning, morning
2: boys morning, morning good Simon good. Simon, thinking, speaking of uh, Phil Cleary I, I've got to get this one in I just was astonished in the other studio when Bertie Dipe Domenico ran up and shook Phil's hand and said Jesus Phil it's great going and watching you snipe at Coburg
7: <laughs> well talking so, about of course he, he'd be used to seeing you on TV Phil uh, sniping uh, in those years when television uh, was was popular, all part was of the, the game of of wasn't it
11: just what the crowd wanted so and it's back on, on again
7: Sunday so uh, what's your thoughts on that
11: well, isn't it fantastic from the Olympics to the VFA in one week? Isn't that a great tribute to the VFA?
7: Certainly is. Except the
11: bloody commentators, Rex Hunt. Yes, the quality. Oh, Why well, wouldn't they go for some personalities like, you know, yourself or myself? Rex, Rex is a fine
2: Sandringham
7: personality
11: though, Phil. Sad, don't but he's sad. not a VFA personality, is he?
7: No, not really. He did play a handful of games. I think he kicked 100 goals in one he season, didn't did
11: he? Well, oh, actually, he kicked 10 in his last game 10 too. in his last game, yeah. that's right. And the unfortunate thing for the listeners is that that ex-VFA champion Freddie Cook is um, tied up in his pub down at Port Melbourne with uh, one of
7: the strippers. Well, you've spoken to him on the phone, Phil. Was that the excuse he did? Well, you? I could hear these whips
11: and chains in the background <laughs> and, and a few squeals. I don't know what was happening. Of course, everyone knows that Fred's got a
7: topless bar upstairs at his pub. At the uh, which, which, which is the pub? Oh, the Station, Station Hotel. Hotel, isn't that, it? Uh, yeah. That free dinner hasn't come fr- <laughs> through yet, so, uh, <laughs> And that'd
11: be great—a dinner down there with Fred and all those businessmen
7: watching those nude girls. But while we're on Fred, uh, tomorrow he's doing a lap of honour down at the uh, Werribee game in Port Melbourne. And you notice uh, in
11: Margaret in the sun this morning? A lap, a lap is underlined, a eh?
7: because he, he wouldn't lap. get round more than one and a half, yeah. would he? I certainly hope he. Uh, he it's at half time. Oh <laughs> well, no, before the game. It'd be before the game. No, but uh, good luck, and also having a roast to uh, Fred Cook uh, sometime in the near future, but. He did say that he may come in next week. Is that right, Phil? Yes, he said, I'll definitely be in next week, Phil, which yep. is what he said today, but right. next week will be different.
11: So right. we could have the living legend in next week. So that'll be something for the listeners, that one. That'll be
7: really something out of the box. On the could-have-been-champion Yep, Didn't
11: and that be? Hawthorne champion birdie in there yeah. too. So it's a big day. Now, um, George, uh, during the week you're at it again, Dr Sleuth. You, you uh, sorted out another... <laughs> leading VFA player drunk in a pub uh, on a Thursday night after selection
7: uh, yes Phil I managed to uh, I was dropping some uh, some materials off and, and saw him staggering out uh, it, I prefer not to name no him no names George no, no names, no, no no, no no names no. Stone definitely we call no him. names but, oh, I, I don't know how Springvale can afford to have their full forward <laughs> out uh, late at night on a Thursday night what about Simsie? Did he get back in the side? Well, I was going to ask uh, Richard about that because I certainly hope when you put him in, Phil, that it didn't do his career any harm.
11: I had the laugh. I forgot last week when, I, when, I, when we were talking about what happened to the uh, you know, Bob Ketty towing the tough line and putting a couple of guys out for disciplinary reasons. In fact, they were playing bloody Dandenong on the day. <laughs> I mean, if they'd played Port Melbourne, would he have done the same? Do you yeah. think we're stupid, do you, Phil?
2: We've
7: well, got it all well, sorted out,
2: and Simsie's coming back for a big game tomorrow, actually, Phil.
7: Actually, well, Preston, I hope was he uh, wasn't at the disco <laughs> again last night. He might have had a wig on. I might not recognise him. <laughs> but uh, on the big game tomorrow, the Preston Sandringham game, which is televised,
10: mm, mm.
7: and uh, your thoughts, Richard? Well, it's it's a pretty nostalgic sort of
2: trip, isn't it? Getting the cameras back down at Sandringham and at the, the whole club's. You know, it's a it's a big build-up and it's a big game, and I think it's it's certainly the test for us, and we'll be out there for sure.